This is episode 57 of The Wrap, a weekly show where I bring you up to speed on movie news and fun things from the past week. Today is Friday, November 22nd, 2013, and I'm your host, TJ. Just a little bit of quick housekeeping in regards to Movie Byte in general uh, right now before we get dive in here. Uh, there was no Movie Byte podcast yet this week. We're actually recording it tonight, me and Chad. Uh, we had intended to do an episode on The Book Thief, but neither of us could find it playing within anywhere near where we could go and see it. It's in limited release, and I, I find it frustrating how hard it is to find out uh, beforehand what theaters limited releases will be in, what movies are even in limited release, especially when they're getting a lot of press and attention. Oh, come see the movie, you know, here's the trailer, and then it's not playing anywhere. So that's really frustrating. We had intended, and I want to see the movie really bad, and we had intended to do an episode about it, but we were scrambling to come up with something else, and it's just been a busy week anyway, and so we find, we decided to watch uh, watch a film and review a film that uh, is older, that we've both seen. We'll be reviewing A Few Good Men tonight and posting that on moviebyte.com tomorrow. So for those of you who are also listeners to the Movie Byte podcast, uh, be sure to tune in for that. Uh, it'll be out Saturday, and uh, you'll be able to download it then. And we're looking forward to that. I'm, uh, Few Good Men is a really good film. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, I'm going to uh, talk about the top spots at the box office, and I'll continue to do that on the wrap. I'm not going to be posting, at least going forward for now, I'm not going to be posting an article about it at the beginning of every week. It takes a lot of time for me to put that together. And uh, right now, uh, I'm more focused on uh, bite-sized video reviews and other podcasting opportunities. So um, I'm going to be not doing that for now. It wasn't one of my most viewed articles anyway, but I'll continue to talk about it here on The Wrap because it's interesting. So let's dive into that, uh, how films did this past weekend. In the top box office spot, yet again, is Thor The Dark World. At least, I think it was top last week. Let me let me take a quick peek here and just make sure. Yes, it was also top last week. Yes, that's right, I remember now. This is the problem with not actually writing the article, <laughs> uh, as I uh, my memory is a little bit more vague. So Thor The Dark World took the top box office spot again. It had quite a downturn, though. Uh, it was uh, $36,586,000 is what it brought in over the weekend domestically. Uh, so now domestically, it's up to $152 million. Uh, foreign monies are $352 million, so it's up to $502 million worldwide. So quite a haul there for Thor The Dark World, and a decent film, uh, more than decent. It was really good, certainly far better than the first Thor film, in my opinion. A second film brought in $30 million over the weekend. It's really strange. I hadn't even heard of this film. I, I mean, and I keep up with film news, right? I mean, it's what I do. And I had not yet heard of this film. The Best Man Holiday, $30 million it brought in domestically. And uh, it has no, – I don't see a foreign total for it, so it was just domestic. Uh, it uh, had actors like Morris Chestnut, Tay Diggs, Regina Hall, Terrence Howard. Uh, I, I, this is weird. I hadn't heard of this film before, uh, The Best Man Holiday. So there you go. That was the second. Uh, it's it's a uh, R-rated comedy, so probably not interested in it anyway. Uh, it was second at the box office with $30 million. On a budget of $17 million too, I might add. Uh, Last Vegas was the third a spot in the box office. Uh, it is in week number three. By the way, Thor the Dark World, week number two, The Best Man Holiday, week number one. Last Vegas, week number three, eight million. It brought in over the weekend. It had a budget of $28 million. It has now made $48 million. Uh, has not been released in foreign markets yet. Didn't look that great to me. Uh, a bunch of older actors, uh, you know, Michael Douglas, Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Kline, uh, Mary Steenburgen. Uh, getting together and making a film that didn't look great. Uh, saw the trailer, didn't care. So, Las Vegas, $8 million. 
Uh, number four, Free Birds. Uh, budget of $55 million. It brought in $8 million over the weekend. Uh, Free Birds is in week number three also. And uh, it's up to $42 million worldwide on a budget of $55 million. So still not making any money. It, you know, it looks fine, I suppose. Not, I mean, there's other things I'd rather see, other things I'd rather do. But, you know, if you're into it, whatever. Uh, voiced by actors such as Woody Harrelson, Owen Wilson, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Peeler, Polar. I don't know how to say that. Uh, Dan Fogler, Colin Meany. Uh, I like him. Uh, he's, of course, uh, been into uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine was his big role that I know him from. But he's been in other things, too, that were, were fun. Uh, number five in its in its fourth week, Jackass presents Bad Grandpa made made seven million dollars. It is now up to and if Box Office Mojo will load the total for me, it is now up to ninety one million domestically, twenty nine million foreign. That's just depressing to me. It's such a horrible looking film. Number six in its seventh week is Gravity with six million dollars it brought in over the weekend. It is now up to 241 million domestically and 293 million worldwide, bringing it up to 535 million worldwide. And a fantastic film, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, so um, glad to see that it's still doing well, even in its seventh week, still in theaters, still in a lot of theaters. So, uh, and it'll probably stay there as long as it's doing well. So, uh, if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, make sure you do. And, and you probably should see it in IMAX too. I mean, it's really good. Number seven at the box office, Ender's Game, with a budget of 110 million, it brought in six million over the weekend domestically. It has made four, five, excuse me, it has made 54 million foreign. It has in foreign markets, it has made 22 million. So the worldwide total is now 77 million. It had a budget of 110 million. It's disappointing to me. It's a decent enough film, and I, I had hoped it would at least make a little money. Uh, but uh, you know, not not a good sign. Uh, and it's in its third week. Number eight, 12 Years a Slave. It's finally now in about 1,411 theaters as of the box office report here for the past weekend. Uh, that's plus 267. I don't think this is considered a limited release anymore, but it's still hard to find. I've, it's finally come to Nashville. I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to see it, hopefully soon. Uh, so that's the eighth film. Uh, brought in $4 million over the weekend. We still don't know what the budget was, and it's now up to $26 million domestically. So uh, that is how films fared this past weekend at the box office. So let's dive into some other news and things that I posted throughout the week. CBS is not interested in Star Trek TV series. According to treknews.net, sparked by, by the success of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series, Abrams wasn't optimistic about Star Trek returning to its roots on television, saying, quote J, from J.J. Abrams, I've been hearing for as long as I can remember that CBS, who has the rights to the series, has just been saying they're not interested. That's the word I've been told. A CBS studio rep replied, We love the Star Trek franchise, its fan base, and the many possibilities for its future when the time is right. And to me, when the time is right is code for we don't currently have any plans and we don't think it would make us any money. And you know what? Really, that's fine for now. I mean, the more recent history of uh, Star Trek on TV is somewhat sketchy. Uh... You know, Star Trek wasn't a great TV show, actually. The first, I know this is heresy, the first incarnation of Star Trek, it was hit or miss. It had some really good episodes, don't get me wrong. And then it had some really bad ones. I mean, it was sci-fi TV in the 60s. What what else can you expect from it? Um, and it had no budget. Seasons 1 and 2 of Star Trek The Next Generation were some of the worst TV that's ever been perpetrated against humankind. I will admit there were good stories occasionally in Seasons 1 and 2. The execution always left a lot to be desired, and many of the stories were, were trash as well. But then something interesting happened. In Seasons 3 through 7, Star Trek The Next Generation is some of the best TV that's ever been produced. They found some magic there in, starting in Season 
uh, three and for the next five seasons. Deep Space Nine also had a really good run. I really enjoyed Deep Space Nine. Voyager was okay, not as good, still pretty great, had some really good episodes. And then there was Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise was not great. The first two seasons were dreadful. It got better in seasons three and four. I, I admit I actually really liked season three, but it wasn't great track. Sorry, I'm waxing on about this. The point is, I, I don't know. I'm ready for them to leave it alone for a while. It hasn't been actually hasn't been that long since Enterprise was on the air. I believe I believe it. Uh, the last of it aired in 2005, if I have my uh, years correct. So let's just leave it alone for a little longer. Let's let the movies, you know, ramp up and then ramp down, and we'll see where we get. And let's just leave Star Trek on TV alone for now. I'd be happy with that. Fantastic Four begins filming in March. This is according to Mark Julian over at comicbookmovie.com. Uh, Fox's Fantastic Four reboot will begin filming in Baton, uh, Baton Rouge this Friday. Uh, this Friday, where did that come from? This March. Originally, the film was scheduled to begin shooting this past June in Vancouver. Recently, the film had its release date pushed back to June 19, 2015 from its original release of March 6, 2015. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not the least bit interested in this reboot. Uh, it's only been a couple of years since the previous Fantastic Four films, and uh, I, I don't understand why we have to reboot everything all the time, even before the presses have had a chance to cool off from the, from running the previous you know part of the films in the franchise. I don't get it. I don't want it. Not interested. Uh, decoding the end of Inception. This is a great video. Um, <laughs> just very. Uh, how how do I do this? Okay, there's going to be spoilers for Inception here. Um, there was a big mystery left to us at the end of Inception. Again, spoilers about whether Cobb was in a dream or he was in reality at the end of the film. According to this French dude, uh, this is a subtitled video, but it's worth watching. We don't have to wonder anymore. I don't know if I completely buy it, but his he, he made a very astute observation in that any time Cobb was dreaming, his ring, his wedding ring was still on because he hadn't really given up his wife. In reality, he wasn't wearing the ring. And so he uh, notes that we see Cobb's ring very near the end of the film. Uh, it's, it's well worth watching, even if you don't completely buy it. It's just fun to watch. Uh, check out the video. Make sure you turn on the English subtitles. It's a YouTube video, and you can turn on subtitles. The Hungry Games, Catching Fur. I you know, I have to admit that I have a weakness for Cookie Monster. I grew up with him. <laughs> I watched a lot of Sesame Street. Uh, so this may not, in fact, be the best parody, as I've actually titled the article on moviebyte.com, but there was a lot of nostalgia involved for me. Uh, and and how could you not like this? And it's kind of a parody of, of, of The Hunger Games catching fire. So be sure to check that out. That's going to be in the show notes. And here's a new worst idea ever. There's going to be an, or there's supposed to be an It's a Wonderful Life sequel. There's actually been some uh, some pushback from the original studio that made the first film uh, back in 1946. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the rumbling you feel is the rising tempers, this is according to Jermaine Lucier over at Slash Film. The rumbling you feel is the rising tempers of film fans all over the globe. globe. But the holidays are approaching, and maybe we should learn to forgive. That's the only way to process the wild news that a sequel to Frank Capra's 1946 film It's a Wonderful Life is now in the works. The tentatively titled It's a Wonderful Life, the rest of the story, written by Bob Farnsworth and Martha Bolton, follows the angel of George Bailey's daughter, uh, Zuzu. Uh, Carolyn Grimes, who were apprised the role, she teaches Bailey's evil grandson, also named George Bailey, how different the world would be if he'd never been born. Producers are currently looking at directors and hope to shoot the 25 to 35 million film uh, budgeted film in Louisiana early next year for a holiday or 2015 release. Number one, 2015, really? 
This is going to be the biggest year for movies ever. I'm concerned for any movies. I'm concerned for 2014 and 2016. It seems like we're pushing all the movies into 2015. Uh, ugh, wow. And secondly, I don't want a sequel. I didn't even like the first film. I know to many of you this will be heresy. I didn't like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I've just never cared for it. I don't want a sequel. Even if you like it, I don't think you'll want a sequel. I don't know who wants to see this film. It's stupid. So they shouldn't make this film. Uh, and I'm going to move on now before you all tar and feather me. I released episode number three of Bite Size Video Reviews this past week, and uh, since I could not review The Book Thief like I wanted to, I stepped back a couple weeks and caught up a little bit and reviewed Gravity in video form uh, at the request of a friend. Uh, so you should be sure to check that out. I think you'll like it, uh, and um, hopefully it'll convince you to go see Gravity if you haven't seen it yet. That will be in the show notes. Uh, this, this video review thing, at least for now, is a lot of fun, so I'm probably going to keep it up. Samuel L. Jackson uh, says that uh, Mark Hamill and Ewan McGregor have not been contacted for Star Wars 7. Who knows how much he really knows or if Hamill is telling the truth. Perhaps he's uh, sworn to secrecy and it wouldn't be the first time that an, any, an actor involved with J.J. Abrams' production was contractually obligated to lie about uh, something about the production. Uh, but Samuel L. Jackson says he's talked to the guys and they haven't been contacted and he says he hasn't been contacted no surprise to me. Here's the thing. It's no surprise to me that uh, uh, Samuel Jackson hasn't been contacted. As far as we know, in the movie universe, I know there was some dispute in the comments about the, the books, but in the movie universe, as far as we know, Mace Windu is dead. Uh, dead, dead. Um, and uh, Obi-Wan is also dead, and anytime we have seen him as a Force ghost, uh, he was older, Obi-Wan, so there's no surprise to me that Ewan McGregor hasn't been contacted. Now, that Mark Hamill hasn't been contacted yet is a little more interesting, if true. Uh, and maybe a little frustrating. We'll have to see. May not, I mean, we have a lot of high, all of us fans have a lot of high hopes for the Star Wars film. And so we'll have to see what develops here. But that's, that's the word on the street from Samuel L. Jackson. So it looks like Die Hard is going to, <laughs> well, Die Hard. Uh, Edward Davis over the playlist wants to know why, why, why? Quick, can you name a franchise that has been driven to the ground worse than the Die Hard John McClane series? Uh, so I'm going to skip a little. He go wax is eloquent. And, uh, so he talks about, uh, mm, let me skip down here. So yes, a sixth diehard is coming and you likely already knew that. Here's a quote, uh, from, uh, screenwriter Ben Treble, Treble Cook. I don't know how to say that. I can say that McLean is invited to Tokyo by the Nakatomi uh, yes, Nakatomi Corporation to be commended for his bravery and efforts in saving 36 lives, celebrating this on the 30th anniversary of the Nakatomi hostage crisis. It's by no means Black Rain, perhaps has a slight Rising Sun type tone. It's also not a double act buddy buddy story. McLean began on his own and should end on his own. Of course, he's had assistance in various guises, aiding him in his ventures, but it's not Lethal Weapon or a Jackie Chan film. Oh my goodness. Okay, where do I start? there's a certain appeal about uh, the first Die Hard film. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's an older film and has an older vibe to the film, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Second film, yeah, it's fine. Uh, the third film, uh, yeah, fine. Die Hard 4, I actually liked a lot. And in fact, I like Die Hard, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, and it's been a, I can't keep them all straight. It's, Die Hard 3 was better, a little better than Die Hard 2, if I'm right. Die Hard 4 was a pretty great film, even though it was only PG-13, Die Hard 5 was terrible, uh, and I don't really want to see this uh, sixth installment. Not interested. Seems like a really bad idea. They should have let the film go with, they should have let the franchise go with Die Hard 4. Uh, whatever. 
And finally, before we talk about what you want to see, the MPAA is losing money by fighting piracy. Yes, I am. Uh, yes, I'm ecstatic about this. David Lieberman over at Deadline.com. MPAA's anti-piracy fight contributed to financial loss in 2012, while Chris Dodd collected 3.3 million. A Hollywood's lobby group's finances took a the Hollywood's lobby group's finances took a hit in 2012. A tax filing shows, but CEO Chris Dodd did just fine, even as the MPAA licked its wounds from its failed effort to promote tough anti-piracy legislation. Dodd's compensation came to 3.3 million last year. The package: 3 million base compensation, $250,000 bonus, $41,000 other compensation, $13,000 retirement benefit, retirement benefit, and $19,585 non-tax benefit. That's up 36.5%. The MPAA saw its year-end loss increase nearly 587% to $1.7 million on revenues of $68.1 million, although the top line was plus 12%, mostly from members' increased dues payments. It was more than offset by a 14% increase in expenses. This is just so ironic to me. They're fighting piracy because of the money they're losing to piracy, and they lost money fighting this thing. This is this is what's going on. It's, this is older media failing to adapt to newer media, mostly better systems of distribution. I admit there are problems, but you have to adapt to the changing market. They're not doing that. They're fighting this tooth and nail. They're fighting the future, and they're going to lose. They will lose. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, it's, it's kind of funny and ironic that this is happening. Before I sign off, let's talk about what you'll want to see this weekend. The new film this weekend is The Hunger Games Catching Fire. I know I've interacted with some of you in the comments on articles and on Facebook that are not looking forward to this film, and that's fine. I am looking forward to the film. Uh, this is The Hunger Games Catching Fire, uh, following up on The Hunger Games, uh, and based on the, on the book series by Suzanne Collins. Uh, I did enjoy the book series quite a bit, not without its flaws. Uh, just as the first film also, I had some issues with that. Uh, but I've heard that director Francis Lawrence will correct some of the problems that I had with the first film, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a decent story and uh, certainly good, uh, you know, decent uh, cultural commentary. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to see it this weekend uh, for sure, even though I don't know when yet, but I will make time to see it this weekend. Uh, so that's what's new in the theater this weekend. Still in theaters, if you can find it, The Book Thief, and then also wide release Thor The Dark World, Ender's Game, Gravity, 12 Years a Slave, Captain Phillips, and About Time. For more on how I feel about those films, whether or not I think you might want to see them, be sure to check out my article linked up in the show notes on what to see. Well, that's all for this week. If you would like to view the show notes online, you can find those at moviebyte.com slash the wrap slash 57, because this is our 57th episode. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. You can also follow MovieByte uh, on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash moviebyte. You can like MovieByte's Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash moviebyte, and we'll we, you know keep up with the comments and interact there, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. Of course, you can be sure to visit the website where I uh, post something new, it, you know, usually three to four to five, sometimes seven, eight, nine things new every single day at moviebyte.com. Well, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful movie-filled weekend. <laughs>